Today, today we have with us Tibor Shanto. Tibor, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Shahid? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much for asking, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy. It's Friday. You know, it's a good way to slide into the weekend. Yes, yes, so true, so true. We were just talking about how you were in Canada as well, and, you know, center of the universe. That's right. That's right. Despite what the people in New York think. No, <laughs> so true. They're the last century. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It's great to have you on the show. You know, I would like to kind of allow you to introduce yourself, all the amazing things that you're involved with, and then we'll take it from there. So in a simple sense, what I do is sales training. But as I say, that would be the simple sense. I work with B2B salespeople specifically on the prospecting element as well as the discovery element. Um, And unlike most mainstream systems, we tend to focus on objectives. So where's the customer trying to go as opposed to the pain or the immediate problem or, you know, thing that they have in front of them. So we tend to focus on what objectives we've been able to help other customers achieve so that forces us not to look at the product, but to look at the outcomes and the changes in our customer's world that took place. And most of the people who use me tend to be in businesses that are highly competitive and are not growing at a rate where any individual company within that ecosystem is happy. So as an example, I do well with people in the imaging space. I do well with people in the transportation space, especially when capacity is in excess. Um, so how do, you, how do you win accounts without resorting to price? So that's mm-hmm. what I do on a day in, day out basis mm-hmm. as a professional. And there's a whole bunch well, of other great. things that T-Board. That's excellent. That's excellent. And then, so you work with like Fortune 500 type of companies or you work with any size? I tend to stick close to home because, you know, when you live in the center of the universe, you don't want to venture too far. But, um, you know, some of my clients would include Canada Post, Bell Mobility, you know, Pitney Bowes, Canon Canada, and then a host of smaller companies that much of the audience wouldn't have heard of. I didn't hear of before I engaged with them. Mm. But, you know, I, again, I know that it sounds a little bit odd, but if I was in another business, like back in my corporate world, size and a number of you know things relating to ICP would have been more tight. But I find that where I'm at, the space that I've carved out, it's easier for me to talk about the type of company that would benefit from what I deliver as opposed to a particular type of vertical. Mm-hmm. And so you basically train like teams when you go in there, right? Yeah. And I think we go beyond training because I think there's this implicit sort of impression that with training, you know, a good looking guy like you comes in for a day or two days. And, you know, we do have some work that we do, but we have a fun lunch and this and this and that. And then, you know, usually we go back to doing shit the way we used to do it. Right. So but the pizza was good. Right. So, yeah, I think if you speak to my clients, what they will tell you is that we actually deliver a true program that very much is 
the value is in us driving adoption. So we want to make sure that the team continues to do what we presented and what management wants them to do. And we help them do it by sticking around and reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing. And in the process, we also integrate the managers into the process who for the most part, and not to be controversial, but I think most sales managers are not as good at leading and developing the skills of their team. So I'm not saying they're not good managers or what have you, Mm -hmm. but they're not as good at developing and maximizing the skills of their teams as they could be. And in the process of them being a frontline partner in our coaching of their teams and how we do it and what we focus on and so forth, then allows them to be better coaches once we leave town. And our average engagement at minimum is about, you know, 12 to 13 weeks, but probably starting about a year before the pandemic, and it certainly has accelerated in the pandemic, we're finding longer engagements that are much more involved and much more hands-on to make sure that, again, it sticks, that companies see evidence of what they paid for six months later. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the biggest concern that people spend millions on training, right, per se, and, but they don't end up actually doing what they're learning. Um, would, you, would you consider the accountability the main factor in what you do to in, achieve more production out of what they're learning? I think, yes. You know, I come from the school that, you know, there's this big debate that, that's out there in sales that's never going to be solved. And it's, you know, whether sales is a numbers game or not. And I think on the face mm-hmm. of it, that question is a bit of a, you know, a bit of a misleading thing because for any salesperson, they have a quota, right? And the quota is a number, whether it's a number related to volume, whether it's a number related to revenue, whether it's a number related to margin, it's a number. So to pretend that sales is not a numbers game and it's a friendship game, I think is just putting yourself behind the eight ball, you know, before you even leave, leave you know, for work in the morning. So I think accountability is the main thing. And one of the things that we focus heavily on is for salespeople to know their own metrics, various conversion rates that are important and critical through the sales, not the big numbers like quota, but what are the little incremental things that we can measure and change on the way to quota? Most sales managers tend to take a look at lagging indicators, right? So yes, there's a potential to take a lesson into the future from a lagging indicator, but you've done nothing to help your team salvage the deal that they're involved in. So Uh if you look at leading indicators, you can be instrumental in teaching people how to do things because you're there on time. Plus they're going to make money, which is going to encourage them to learn more because most people don't know why they should learn because they don't make any money afterwards. Right. So, but if they can make more money and have greater successes and other successes, I mean, I'm being sort of, simplistic by saying it's money, but there is, you know, a good seed of greed within salespeople. So, you know, one of the things that I have them come with is what their conversion numbers were since we last met. And so initially they don't know them and they, they think that this is just sort of a little, but when they see that there is, you know, the cost of having the meeting is them knowing their numbers, you know, what they did over the last week. So we can then analyze it much like in sports right Mm -hmm. so you know athletes know their numbers because they want to be able to continue to fine-tune their capabilities so they can win more and Mm -hmm. i was talking to one of you know 
the people who influenced me in sales back a long time ago, they were on my podcast. And one of the things that we both agreed on is sales is the only profession that doesn't practice between games. They don't practice. Uh, wouldn't you consider like practicing their presentation as practice? Sure. Show me when they do that, though. That's the thing. Doing is the biggest concern, right? Doing is the problem. So I'm understanding that your qualifications bring the doing more on the surface, which is great, you know, well, but that is a concern. Do the doing. I mean, you know, yeah. my tagline, <laughs> do the if doing. you look at my website, <laughs> is execution, everything else is just talk. Yes. And in sales, so there's a lot of talk. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people talking about what needs to be done. Yes. But let's get it done, buddy, you know? Yes. Done is the secret, right? Yeah. Done is do the, the key. do, you know? Do it's the like do, people talk yeah. about being empathetic. Well, how do you do empathetic, you know? So it's easy to talk about it. Let's do it. Do it. Yeah. Practice it. That's awesome. And Nike um, wasn't around, eh? Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. But they have that. So I'll go with execution, everything else. Execute. Yeah. We can't use it. But uh, for. What happens then in that case, once you leave an organization, do you have a, a way to check if, if they're continuing on that progression, progressive nature or they kind of drop? Like, do you see, do you look at that kind of stuff after you leave a company? I think it varies by company. I have a number of clients that we've stayed active throughout the year. So it's not like I train them every year, but maybe there's yeah. a routine of every two years or three years. Mm-hmm as they add new people to the team and they want the established people to make sure that they're also refreshing. So there's a number of clients that I've done a number of engagements for probably over the last 10 years or so. Um, And there were a number of where it was wham, bam, one thing, one time at a time. You know, a lot of the larger companies um, have a fairly good training program. And so, you know, my proactive prospecting program is accredited by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. Mm -hmm. So there are some companies who say, okay, we have a fairly good regiment, but we're really missing that tactical, you know, element of of prospecting. So let's bring in a specialist. So Mm -hmm. they'll bring me in for that. Um, So Mm -hmm. in those Mm -hmm. instances, by design, I'm I'm not in a position to follow through. But, you know, my business is from recurring revenue. So I want to make sure that I'm staying on top of them and they want to talk to me. And the Mm -hmm. way to do that is to deliver revenue. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So what is your number one strategy or recommendation when you go into a team to make them do more of what they know? Well, one is the numbers, as I said. Um, So I'll give you two sort of things. One is a catchphrase that I use, which is leave your product in the car. So most salespeople are so tied to their product, you would think it's one of their arms or legs, right? Mm -hmm. And most buyers could care less about the product, right? And Mm -hmm. for correct reasons, they're looking for for what the product enables them to achieve, the outcomes that they lead to. Yeah, beyond benefits, just the outcomes that they lead to for the business. So leave your product in the car, you know, take like a blank canvas in there, a couple of paintbrushes and see what you and the customer can paint up. Because the conversation is entirely different when it's not in the shadow of your product. When the only conversation that can take place is how their business can evolve without you having to allude to product, I think that's when customers begin to take it seriously because they've been, 
you know, they've been conditioned to prepare for the product pitch. You know, people are often surprised when I show up without a PowerPoint because I don't do presentations, right? But they've been beaten into submission to sit through endless PowerPoints, right? Yes. So if you could leave your product in the car and go in and have a business conversation with that person, right? Mm -hmm. Then that would be my number one recommendation. You know, people often ask me which sales book they should get their reps and, you know, they expect them to, you know, for me to recommend my book. But I always say, go out and get the 10-day MBA. The guy should pay me royalties, I'm telling you. But, you know, because you're likely speaking to a business person. You're not speaking to another salesperson. Mm. So you better learn how they evaluate process and look at things. So that would be the number one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. get divorced from your product. So in, in that mix, I would say the, there's a aspect of connecting with the prospect, right? Like having some kind of a connection with them. I'll be blunt. I think the best connection you can have with a prospect is to help them. You know, I'm not looking to go to their kid's wedding or anything like that. You know, I'm not going to invite them to my son's bar mitzvah. You know, it's not, you know, all that relationship stuff is, I think, a little over fried, you know, because a genuine relationship, like look at your own life, right? Think about who you have genuine relationships with, right? Those weren't overnight things, right? It took time to develop. You have to understand them. You have to forgive some things. They have to forgive you. It took took a lot longer than the average sales cycle. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. Right. So I think that sometimes this relationship, connection thing and all that is overdone. If I can help a business person achieve what they set out to do or exceed what they set out to do, Mm -hmm. I don't need to get along with them socially. I don't need to have a relationship with them because I'm a resource. Like I don't mind being classified as a resource, right? Because if it's a resource that helps their business, then they're going to keep coming to that resource. But Mm. you know, we've all had an every, I bet you every B2B salesperson that you line up will tell you the same story that they thought this guy was their friend. They thought they had a relationship Mm. and he went and Mm. bought from somebody else. right? So what was that relationship worth? Mm -hmm. Zero. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet, had he focused on continuing to help that customer achieve their goals, which are Mm -hmm. continuously evolving. So your connection question comes in. How well are you continuously aware of the evolution of the needs of your customers and the objectives Mm -hmm. of your customers? I have a lot of people that I know don't really like me as a person, but rely on me for my input as you know. Come on. How is that possible? You're Canadian. Yeah, I'm Canadian, but some of them are American, you know, so, but again, I think so. I think that there's a lot of salespeople who put an undue pressure on themselves to have a relationship with the person they're selling to when I think that person would be quite satisfied if you helped them with their business. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. You're there for a purpose to find their goal and tell them how you can reach it, bring them something that can help them whatever need they have. But that connection part I was referring to, meaning in the conversation, you know, connecting with them in that conversation with the product, what, what you have as a product, what their need is and kind of connecting that, like emotionalize that meeting with them. I'll make it very easy. I mean, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So, and that's where Mm. I make my money, right. Is, Mm -hmm. you know, I tell them to connect with, if they, if they know what their typical prospect looks like. Right. So, you know, in my case, it's senior sales leaders, you know, somebody that's selling fleets, it's going to be, you know, fleet managers, whatever the case might be, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I always ask the people that I'm training, and it's a simple question, hard one to answer is, what's that person thinking about? You'll be able to relate to this. What's that mm-hmm. person thinking about stuck on the Don Valley at 8.30 on the last Wednesday of the quarter going to a leadership team meeting, right? Yeah. If yeah. you can think about what that person was thinking about in the car yes. at that yes. moment, right? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. talk about that in your encounters yes. with them early. That's a connection. Yeah. That's a connection. Yes. You're telling them yes. that you like the Leafs and they like the Leafs. No, no, this is what I mean. This is, this, yeah. is, this is what I was referring to is that what's on their mind, connecting that, um, you know, having that subconscious connection, you know, and you can connect with that by having that, you know, thinking about yeah, what they're dealing with. I'll take that as a connection. But what yeah. most people mean when the connection is a lot of social stuff and all that, which is important. All like friends and, and pen pals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I have friends. Yeah. I need prospects. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes you meet someone that you get along with, that's fine, you know, but I don't think uh, it'll be related to the actual sale, but who knows where that goes and what comes out of it, but it's more in the actual pro- actual meeting, right, the actual presentation, right? But that's great. Um, you know, for prospecting- point, I have I have people that I've prospected over the years in the business mm-hmm. that have never mm-hmm. done business with me, but we get along just fine because yeah. we connected on some level, but there's never yeah. been a real fit from a business point of view eventually maybe i'll sell them something but you know i'm not it's not the most important element of our conversations now exactly yeah yeah for sure and um what would be for someone who's you know not a big company like that someone who's involved in sales to earn an income what, what kind of recommendation from your experience, not what you're currently doing, but just from your sales experience, what would be your number one recommendation to him to, uh, for prospecting? Think about things from the standpoint of what I call an expanding toolkit. So a lot of salespeople that I've come to learn are looking for that one thing that will take them to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my experience has taught me that there isn't that one thing. It's a combination of things, right? So that's why I call it the expanding toolkit. Because, you know, social was very effective at the start of the last decade, but it's continued to wane, right? Now you can still, I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying that it's not where it was, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want somebody going the whole social discussion on me, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but now- No one else is here, it's just me. That's okay. But, you know, like LinkedIn, I used to be, I put out the same quality stuff that I put out now years ago. I used to be able to get four or 5,000 reads per article, right? Mm-hmm. Now the algorithm is not there, I, you know, and all that. So I get a lot less. So the social element, I don't think is that important. And I think that a lot of executives, despite what the rumors say, are not directly engaged in social. They have an assistant do their social stuff and they have somebody okay, yeah. else and so forth, yes. right? So I think it's an important element of a prospecting approach, but it doesn't replace the phone. It doesn't replace LinkedIn. It doesn't replace traditional letter mail, right? Or a small package. I find sometimes when I send over card, oversized greeting cards, it gets open because it's unusual, right? So I think about, okay, what can I do to stand out, right? Because these Mm -hmm. people are getting deluged on a day-to-day basis with different pitches, from different people, some relevant, some not, you know, and and I empathize with the fact that they're getting hit by all these things. So how can I stand out for that momentary thing where I catch their attention, right? Mm -hmm. So 
again, try the expanding toolkit, text somebody, you know, um, send them an email. I mean, uh, a regular letter mail, um, you know, as long, you know, my, my motto, if you ask me what my central thing is, as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, try it. I like that. So how about, what is your, what are your, what is your point of view on cold calling? I love it. Yeah. I love cold calling. That's how I make half my money. Awesome. You still do it. Every day. Every day. That's dude. amazing. Well, not every day, but I would say yeah. three days a week. Minimum. Well, I'm just surprised you still do it. That's awesome. That's Nobody amazing. else is doing it. And that's why it works. Yeah. Yeah. What are your tips for cold calling? Oh, I have a whole course on it. <laughs> oh, where can they find that course? Uh, well, you can find it on my website, tiborshanto.com. But, you know, my mm-hmm. tips for cold calling are fairly simple. Um, remember what you're trying to get, which is the appointment. Yes. So don't let the person at the other end of the phone sort of take you down different alleys. And mm-hmm. a lot of salespeople fall for, the, for these things that they call. And I always wonder what, what they're thinking <clears throat> about, but these things called buying signals, right? Like the only buying signal is a signature. You know, that's a signal yeah. that they bought, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like they're on a prospecting call. This person doesn't know who they are. They don't know who this person is other than maybe what they saw on their LinkedIn page, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a different environment for most salespeople. So I think, you know, you have to sort of, as we talked about earlier, understand in advance what potentially that person might have been thinking about. I think the biggest thing, in, if I had to give like, you know, in the context of a quick tip, is most salespeople overestimate the readiness of that person to listen, not just to their pitch, but just to listen in general, right? So if you think about it, most business people, successful business people, which is the ones you want to deal with, right, are probably trying to pack 16 hours into a 10-hour day, right? Mm -hmm. And so unless I'm on their calendar, right, like I could make a big difference for your company, but I'm not on your calendar, in which case I'm an interrupter, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that salespeople don't realize is that what we do for a living is professionally interrupt people. Now, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. Because they benefit from it, assuming the conversation mm-hmm. unfolds. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why people are shocked when they make a cold call and the person at the other end seems disturbed. I mean, they weren't waiting for this. They're trying to get all this stuff done. Their boss is breathing down their throat, waiting for the the report. And you're talking to them about something they already have. So like, you know, so think about what your interruption has to be, has to deliver more value than the interruption costs. And think about it. The average adult, which I'm assuming most of the audience is, it takes them about 23 minutes to get back to the same level of effectiveness as before they were interrupted. So Mm -hmm. subconsciously, we begin to avoid Mm -hmm. things that we recognize could be interruptions. So as soon as somebody on the phone utters words that sound like a salesperson, subconsciously, we don't even stop and think about, is this a salesperson? Boom. We get rid of it as quickly as we would a mosquito or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But if you could tickle a different nerve that doesn't cause that reaction. Get attention. Connect with what they were thinking about on the Don Valley. They're going to say, hang on a minute. How do you know I was thinking about that? So, you know, and it's never going to be that clean. I mean, clearly in the trailer, it's always more appealing, but 
you know, there's a lot of work. I used to own the domain that sales is a blue collar job because there's a lot of heavy lifting in prospecting, right? Yeah. And people yeah. just don't want to roll up their sleeve and do some of that heavy lifting. Yeah. But, no, you know, I, I think so. that if you can do good prospecting call and again, you know, it is doable, then yeah, cold calling should be at the top of your game. It's still, you know, there was a study, you can find it. There's a dude on LinkedIn, but I used to listen to his podcast, Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. He does uh, work and life balance. He's quite famous, uh, more famous than you and I anyway. Um, so he had this thing about people going to networking. And I'm interested because I, I feel as a salesperson, I feel I have to go to networking, but I'm not a social person as we talked about earlier. So I tend to end up in a corner somewhere watching everybody, right? So yeah. I'm not good at it. So he had this thing and I was listening to it because, you know, I want to improve my skills as much mm -hmm. as, you know, the next person. Mm -hmm. And what he talked about was an interesting thing that they found that people who sent out 200 emails requesting something from a stranger mm -hmm. had the same result as people who went direct, like walking up to people yes. that, yeah. that walked up to six people. So if you have the nerves, which is what it takes really, right, to walk up to a stranger and ask them the right question, you have a much greater likelihood of achieving what you set out to do than if you sent out 200 emails. Now, here's mm. the deal. If I walk up to 10 people and four people say no, or I phone four, 10 people and four people say no, I have to deal with that rejection directly. If I send out 200 emails and nobody says no, I don't have rejection to deal with. Yeah. You know, so I think that's why people are going to email. That's a good point. I remember back in 99, I read this interesting article because I was doing some work in Scandinavia. And there was an article about how at that time, and got to think about 98, 99, how mm -hmm. teenagers in Norway were using text as a means of asking the opposite sex for dates. And you didn't have to deal with the no, right? So yeah, that was yeah. the, so it's the same thing in email. You don't have to deal with the no, you just left with radio silence. Else. Yeah. So, but if you can take that no, and it's not pleasant, I don't like it. After 30 years of doing it, I don't like it. I want to pretend that I like Anybody it. said no to you? Every day. You know, my numbers are 12, six and one. So for every six people that I speak to, five tell me to go somewhere. Sometimes very clear terms, you know, clear directions. Oh, no way. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so, but I think that that's why people are hesitant to pick up the phone. It's not mm. easy, right? No. And, you, you know, but, but on the other hand, when you weigh it against the rewards, you know, jokingly, I always say that I've made the connection between cold calling and my kids eating, and they have this thing about eating every day, right? So mm. you got to do it every day. Yeah, you do. No, it's excellent. Amazing value here on this episode. A lot of amazing information that you're sharing. I want to ask a couple more questions. I wanted to ask, what's your view on mindset? So when you go into organization, do you have some effort that you place on mindset with these individuals? Or is it specific to people in the organization? So the, the sales manager might say, okay, this group of people need extra help on mindset. Is there such a thing in your, in your work that you do with companies? I mean, I think the honest answer is in a formal sense, no. But it always comes up as a subject because a lot of what I do has to do with 
how we portray ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I always encourage people to sort of look at themselves as being a subject matter expert, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So they should be looking at whoever they're talking to as being peers. And I got that straight from selling to Vito. So it's not new, it's borrowed. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of salespeople, you know, don't have the ability to talk sort of peer to peer with different people or talk, Mm -hmm. change their language as they go along and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So refocus me. What was the question again? I lost. So basically it's okay. It's okay. Uh, basically I want to understand about the mindset part of it. Yeah. Right. So, so mindset is a big component in selling. So. Yeah. And, and as I said, a lot of it is attitude and, and mm-hmm. in terms of the mindset, I tend to liken it more to that statement that I made before. Right. Which is that we are the only professionals that don't practice between games, right? So if you mm-hmm. think about lawyers, they practice their, before they go into court, they practice their things and so forth and so on. They don't sort of take it for granted that just because they have the job, it gets done, right? Yes. So that kind of mindset, but I don't, to be honest, I mean, in my own life, I work a lot on my own mindset and all that. And I do think it's important, yeah. the mindset that you have when you go in and meet with somebody but I tend to demonstrate it as opposed to talk about it as a, as a separate topic. I mean, mindset is something that's there throughout. And, and mm. not to be controversial, as a complement to mindset, I mean, there's a certain element of theater arts to sales, right? Mm-hmm. So not only do you have to have mindset, but how do you convey some of that, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. it's important that, you know, like one of the things that I try to do before big meetings is the night before I tend to visualize the meeting. What are some of the likely objections that may come up? Or what are some of the likely mm-hmm. things that yeah. so I'm not thinking about? Yeah. So when they come up during the meeting, it's not as much of a struggle to deal with it because I've sort of visualized that I don't, I don't always yeah. get the exact question that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. But I realized that at one point in that meeting, I might be stumped. And what am I going to do at that point? Yeah. So in terms of that, I share all that, but mm-hmm. I sort of came into it, you know, I'm not the youngest guy in this call. Um, so, you know, I sort of came into you it through, are. Experience, through experience as opposed to, you know, sort of some of the things that are being done now that I think are quite mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. So I think it is important. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. being careful not to, I don't formally present it as such, no but problem. you would definitely get mindsets from what I do because some of the stuff that I'm going to ask your teams to do, they're going to have to adjust their mindset. And generally that's, that's half the battle. You know, yeah, how it's a big component. It's a big component. Like we specialize on the mindset thing uh, side of things. I would love for you to join our event on Tuesday if you have time. But yeah, I would love for you to be there and see what it's all Send about. Me an invite. Sorry? Send me an invite. Yes, I will. So I know about it then. But I do think it's important. And I think that yeah, a lot of times it is the key difference is the way that you not only look at things, but set yourself up to understand yeah. the other person. Yeah. Because if you can not just leave your products in the car, that's the biggest shadow I think salespeople live under, but your biases, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you have to be a meat eater that can sell to a vegetarian or vice mm-hmm. versa, <laughs> you know? Excellent. So, and I think that in perhaps a less formal way than maybe you do goes to mindset. Yeah. No, no, I get it. It's totally, it's totally amazing. All your information is, is 
I feel very much aligned with what you're saying and I understand it. And, and I'm very grateful that you took the time to come on the show. One more question I want to ask, and we always ask our guests, what do you feel your inner superpower is that got you to this point in your journey? Um, a childlike ability to believe and fantasize. Oh, I love it. Imagination. That's excellent. You know, me and uh, what's so his name, powerful. Peter Pan, would have gotten along. Yeah, it's such a powerful component. Do you do any any kind of visualized, I mean, imagination work uh, on a daily consistent basis? Do you hang out there? I do TM um, mm -hmm. once a day, not twice a day. I know they want me to do it twice a day, but, you know, mm. yeah, not enough okay. time. Good. But, and as I say, oh, I do focus great. on it. Like, I do mean it seriously. It's not a joke when I say, you know, you have to think about what that meeting is going to look like. What are, you yeah. know, what are the things that are going to come up? What emotionally might they be thinking about? What, mm. you know, what could potentially happen to this person if he leaves the house in the morning and his yes. wife calls him that their kid just fell down the steps, right? Yeah. I know it yeah. sounds stupid, but you have yeah. to consider all these things. Mm. And now you're trying to get this person to focus on something mm. that's more important to you than to them which is why yeah. you want to leave the product because then you can talk to them about it. But I think the one thing, you know, no matter where they are in sales is, and this I think is the role of their employer. If they can make it a little bit fun, it's always easier to put up with the hard parts. And mm -hmm. I think that that's the yeah. key thing is that, you know, winning should be fun. Should be fun. Life, business, easy, yeah. simple, and fun. Even that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> well, it's coming. So <laughs> got to embrace it. Right. Thank God uh, we're in the center of the universe. Of so, uh, yeah. We're in the center of the universe. We're our, our transport is going to be much quicker. But other than we'll that. the first you know, to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, T-Boy? It's been an honor, my friend. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, you I do, do like a lot life. of like. Yeah, I do like lives and Facebook. So I know you don't like social, but just join me sometimes. You know, we'll do a room, talk about certain things and get some people in there. Who knows, right? If you can serve people, get some of uh, your brilliant knowledge on there is, is great, right? So well, I love to build host this relationship. Tell me where you host so, these things. Because I do have to tell you that I'm one year sober on Facebook. So I haven't been on there in a year. Oh, really? No, I, I post this on iTunes. We post it on iTunes. We post it on Google Podcasts. We post it on Spotify, on YouTube. Um, we do promo clips. No, I meant we more the event on that Facebook. you were mentioning on Tuesday. Oh, it's on Facebook. It's in Facebook. But oh, I, it's buddy. a Zoom link. The rabbi won't let me go. No, but it's a Zoom link, so you would just connect to Zoom. You don't have to go through the group. Oh, send me the Zoom link. Yeah, as long as I don't have yeah. to log into Facebook because I'm a year sober. No problem. No problem. No problem, my friend. It's awesome. Keep in touch. Let's remain friends and grow. And anything you need from my side, let me know. I have built some phenomenal relationships by having this podcast. And I, I really enjoyed our conversation, Tibor. And I wish Don't you all be surprised if I take you up on that. And I'm going to send no, you an I'm invite to be book. a guest on mine. Thank you so much, Tibor. Have a, have a wonderful, fantastic, and a blessed weekend. Thank you very much. You too, Shahid. Thank you. Thank you.